Welcome to Woman Power. I'm your host, Simra Dhaliwal, and you're listening to episode one of season two called Achieving Equality. In today's episode, we will be focusing on women's rights in Canada, and I'll be talking about three important historical events that relate to women's rights, which are women's suffrage in Canada, the person's case, and the Female Employees Fair Remuneration Act. So let's begin. About 150 years ago, women were treated unequally and were viewed as possessions by the society. They were excluded from many public areas and they didn't have a say in anything because they didn't have the right to vote or run for political office. So essentially, Women couldn't do much because they weren't given many rights, and their daily jobs were to take care of their husband and children at home. The first main idea I'm going to talk about is women's suffrage in Canada, and I'm going to give a brief timeline of how we went from having no voting rights to having the right to vote in federal elections. So in the beginning, women couldn't vote or run for political office, but things started picking up at the end of the 1800s, when women started joining together to fight for the right to vote. So in 1876, Emily Stowe, a feminist who believed in equal rights, she established the first suffrage organization in Canada, which was the Toronto Women's Literary Club. And by the 1900s, women with property had some municipal voting privileges and rights. So then women went on to fight for the right to vote in provincial elections. In 1912, the Winnipeg Political Equality League was established and it became one of the most effective suffrage organizations in Canada. That same year, the League appealed to the Manitoba Premier for women's rights to provincial voting, but the Premier rejected. And four years later, Manitoba became the first province to give most women the right to vote and hold political office. And in 1940, Quebec was the last province to join in on provincial voting for women. So between those years, like in 1917, during World War I, the right to vote federally was given to some women in the armed forces and female relatives of military men. And then in 1918, many Canadian women were granted the right to vote in federal elections, regardless of whether they had yet attained the provincial right to vote. But Indigenous women, as well as Indigenous men, were only allowed to vote if they give up their status and treaty rights. And plus, there were also um, many other minority groups that were denied the federal right to vote. And finally, in 1982, the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms stated the right to vote and stand as a candidate for every Canadian citizen, 18 and older, which included women. When women were officially given suffrage, it represented a path to equality, which is a very important principle in society. And this right also gave women the ability to know what was happening in the political world. Also, when women were fighting for voting rights, it represented more than a fight for justice in politics, as it represented hopes for improvements in areas like education, healthcare, employment, and an end to violence against women and children. Later, when women were finally given the right to vote, it overall improved education, healthcare, and social services that have made the lives of women and children better in many ways. 
So we can see here that the right to vote had a great short-term and now a long-term social impact because it made the way of life easier for all women. Furthermore, women's suffrage is significant because it gives every woman a voice and a chance to have a say in decisions that affect the society. So at the time period, suffrage essentially gave women the legal ability to have a say and to fight for other rights, which at the time in the future included the right to own property, to earn a fair wage, and to be legally recognized as persons. In addition, women's suffrage ties into the principle of a law that states that laws are applied fairly. In this case, the Canadian law was changed to ensure gender equality by giving women the right to vote, and this made sure that the law was applied fairly between all genders. Overall, even though women are legally given the right to vote, we still encounter situations of voting inequality. And an example of this is when people think that women are not mentally as strong and as educated as men, so they can't make proper decisions that impact the society. The second event I'm going to talk about is the person's case, which is a constitutional case that gave women the right to be recognized as legal people and to be appointed to the Senate. This case was started by the Famous Five, which was a group of important women activists. And the group was led by Judge Emily Murphy, and it included Henrietta Edwards, Nellie McClung, Louise McKinney, and Irene Parlby. So in 1927, the famous five asked the parliament to define the term person as it was used in the British North America Act, which was Canada's first constitution. And what these women wanted to know was if persons who qualified for being selected to the Senate included women. Then in 1928, the Supreme Court of Canada ruled that women were not legal persons, which meant that they were ineligible for appointment to the Senate. So in this situation, the Canadian law was preventing women from achieving equality. But later, in 1929, specifically on October 18th, the Judicial Committee of the Privy Council in Britain reversed the decision of the Supreme Court of Canada. And that's when it was concluded that the word persons in Section 24 of the British North America Act does include women, and that women are eligible to become members in both the Senate and the House of Commons. After that, in 1930, Corrine Wilson became the first woman to be appointed to the Senate, and by 2001, 34 out of the 105 senators were female. Now, every year on October 18th, we celebrate Persons Day in Canada to commemorate the person's case, which is important because instead of being viewed as possessions by the society, in the result of this case, women were given the status of a person just like men. And this meant that women could no longer be denied rights. Also, women were now allowed to work and fight for greater rights and opportunities through the Senate and the House of Commons, which essentially demonstrates that the Canadian law changed to protect the human rights of women. Furthermore, this case resulted in the society giving women more respect than before they were declared as people, which is very important because this also increased the self-respect women had for themselves. In addition to that, the person's case demonstrated that the Canadian Constitution is adaptable to the changing needs of the society, 
And this connects to one of the fundamental principles of law that says laws are able to change. So this case was an example of how the law changed by including women as legal persons to ensure that women were given equal rights. Moreover, the ruling of this case is important because it made it easier for women's increased participation in public and political life as we see today. Finally, the last topic I'm going to talk about is the Female Employees Fair Remuneration Act in Ontario, which revolves around pay and employment equity. So before this act was created, Canadian women that were in the paid labor force earned around half of what men earned for work of equal value. And women began to realize how unequal pay was becoming a common form of gender discrimination in employment that affected all women. So women's groups and unions started creating action programs to counteract employment policies that were discriminatory to women. And these feminist groups mainly fought for more fair labor legislations, especially surrounding equal pay for work of equal value. And after that, in 1951, the Female Employees Fair Remuneration Act in Ontario was established. Um, this act was designed to provide women with equal pay for work of equal value, and this act was a part of the law which ensured equality between women and men in the workforce. Also, back then, if you failed to obey this act, it was considered an offense, and there would be a fine of up to $100. Furthermore, this act was only created in Ontario but it had a very large impact on the country because the rest of Canada's provinces and territories quickly followed Ontario's lead in adopting similar provincial acts to ensure equality in the workforce. In addition to that, this act led to the creation of many federal acts such as the Fair Accommodation Practices Act, the Female Employees Equal Pay Act, the Employment Equity Act, and these are just three of the many acts that have been established to ensure pay and employment equity. In this sense, the Female Employees Fair Remuneration Act was a change to the Canadian law so that the law would include the protection of women's rights in the workforce. And this act was and still is important because it was one of the first major steps towards equality between women and men in the workforce. Also, the establishment of this act gave women the same rights as men in any workforce, which today makes female employees feel good about going to work at a company that they believe values their talents and skills. And this makes women feel like they have value to society, which increases their self-confidence. This, this act gave women the right to have equal pay for work of equal value which is very important because higher earnings made it much easier for women to take care of their families. And along with this, higher pay decreased women's chances of falling into poverty, and it gave them more benefits since their salary was higher. In general, this act that started in one province impacted all of the Canadian provinces and territories, and also Canada as a country, which is very important because it demonstrates gender equality on many different levels and in many different social areas. Today, even though there are laws and acts that govern pay equity, some companies still believe that men are more powerful 
and are more important to the image of their company, so sometimes women still get paid less than men. In conclusion, all of these significant historical events about women's rights have had a great impact on the Canadian law and on how the society sees and treats women. These events also led to the recognition that women are normal human beings like men, which gives them the equal rights as men. Although many changes in history have been made to the legal system, there are still areas of the law that treat women differently to their disadvantage. So there is still discrimination and sex inequality that goes on today, but it has significantly decreased since the last 150 years. An example of a common situation of gender inequality is when women get rejected from the workforce and from programs because they are pregnant. As pregnancy does limit their abilities to do certain things, it doesn't mean they should be treated unequally and denied their rights under the law. So some of you might be thinking, why do we need to know about these events and why are they so important to us? And the reason is, knowing history prevents us from making the same mistakes again, which helps us develop as a society. Furthermore, historical events help us understand how our society has come this far to where we are today. And these events that we learn about show us what our people went through to bring us this far. So that's it for today's episode on women's rights and part of the journey to achieving equality. In this episode, we learned about how women's rights and gender equality has changed during the years with the impact of women's suffrage, the person's case, and the Female Employees Fair Remuneration Act. I want to thank you all for listening to Women Power. For more information about women's rights, you can visit my website at women.power.com. Until next time. Thank you.